Hey everybody, welcome to Greg's Garage Pod with Coast Jason Pridmore. We're back at it right before Christmas. It's December 20th of 2023. And this Greg's Garage Pod with Coach Jason Pridmore presented by Bike911.com. We're in the new year. You need some legal advice. You need some help. Reach out to our boy, Alex Asante. Tell him Jason Pridmore sent you. Well, he's here. Not feeling 100%. Back after <laughs> a couple of weeks at Chuck Walla Valley Raceway because it's that time of year. JP, yeah. how's it going, and how was the last couple weeks? Morning, G-Dub. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it was good. I was out there for uh, basically 12 days, and um, weather was absolutely perfect every day, pretty much. I mean, when I say pretty much, it was a little chilly here and there where you had to wear a sweatshirt till about you know 10 o'clock, and then it was fine. But <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. But every day was was perfect, and the races uh, were, were busy, you know. Um, I'm glad that they they, re, they redid their calendar a little bit out there to where we race in December now. Um, and they, you know, they started it, they started it a little bit later, uh, which was good too. I think they started it in October. So they didn't have that. They, I think before they used to go September, October, November, take December off. Um, but the problem was in September, it was still stinking hot. And it was usually at around that there was a Moto America race. So they, they started it a little bit later. And, um, yeah, it was a busy weekend, busy Femwala, weekend Femwala too, right? Femwala was a full week ahead of that. So I went out there on like a Thursday and I did Femwala Friday. And then I had one-on-one Saturday, Sunday, Monday, essentially Tuesday. And then, um, I say essentially Tuesday cause Tuesday's normally day off, but we, we rode still Tuesday and then we rode some more Wednesday and Thursday. So, and then I rode the Friday practice with, uh, with Apex Assassins guys and uh, the CVMA race groups, so I rode eight. I rode eight straight days, Greg. I had my I had my ass on the seat, which was great. I mean, it was it was great. Uh, a lot of people came through, a lot of uh, students, which was great. And um, but man, being out there for twelve days, so much different than when you used to go out there with me. You know, like remember when we used to get there on a Friday, we'd get all the bikes out of the trailer. We'd, you know, Mark would be there servicing all of them. We'd be doing whatever we could to get set up for the weekend. Remember? And then we'd drive all the way back to Indio, mm-hmm. you know, it was like an hour each way. And then Saturday morning, drive out, teach all day, drive back to Indio. And then Sunday morning, same thing. And it was like, I don't know how we did that. So I learned how to, the tire changing machine. I changed a lot of tires. Mm. I, I actually That's liked right. doing that. Speaking yep. of that. So what bike do you normally, like, would you ride for eight days? What mm. are you riding? I rode a few different things. Uh, obviously, I have my ZX10 that I ride that has a Graves exhaust and a reflashed ECU. So, oh, that's um, nice. Gives you a little bit of more like throttle response, a little bit more motor. Or Chuck, what? Chuck actually did it for me a year or so ago, and it's ridiculous how fast it is. It's stupid hmm. how fast it is. Like I wish you could ride that thing. And then I rode a six three six, which I haven't got to do in a while. So I rode six three sixes. I I. I rode a ZX10 that was the one that Mikey raced last month. So I rode that all day Friday, or or not all day, but two sessions Friday at pra- uh, racer practice. That was fun. But Greg, probably the coolest thing I rode, and I can't remember what day it was because they're all blending together. But uh, Chuck came out there um, with Chris Lessing and Jorge and the boys from Graves with Joe Roberts, and they had one of the new inline four 400s. And it was ridiculous how good it was. The, ZX, the ZX4R? Yes. It, the Graves trim? Yes. Fully, fully, really? 
Yeah, ridiculous. Dude, I'm ridiculous. I, since since they launched since they posted the first picture, I've been dying to get one. And I've I seen think, Graves like kind of the build and stuff that he's been working on. I think Joe got into the into the fifties on it. Oh my god. I did three laps. I think I did a fifty-four something in three laps. Like it was so easy to ride, so much fun. And the ironic thing about it was we were running second, third, and fourth gear only on that little four hundred. Really? Yeah, the thing's a screamer and it um I was I was sitting in my new classroom there. We built a new classroom and Richie Alexander, I was going through a debrief with a friend of mine, and Richie Alexander's on the phone calling me, and it was literally end of the day, like no more bikes on track. And Richie's like, Jason, get down here. You gotta come ride this bike. So I I you know, I jumped on a scooter, ripped down there, and um I did three laps. And the sun had just gone down behind the mountain, so it was like perfect mm. time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so I got to do three good laps on this little 400. And, I mean, I know how much you like little bikes. Mm-hmm. And this thing here, Greg, when I rode it, I was like, my boy G-Dub would be loving this bike. It was Dude, so I much wish. fun. Yeah. How so was the fun. fit? How was the fit? Was it too cramped? I mean, you're, mm. you're only like two inches smaller Greg, than I am, shorter than I am. Greg, when I was watching Joe ride, I thought he was on a 600. And then when I wrote it, when I wrote it, you know, Joe's quite a bit skinnier and thinner than me, obviously. And when I wrote it, I came in the pit lane and Richie Alexander's like, Jay, it looks like you're on a 600. And I'm like, wow, that's because it sits, it it sits and it sounds throaty. Like the thing is trick. And the fact that Chuck let me spin some laps on it was, was awesome. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I tried to talk Jeff White into you know, reaching out to Graves and because he makes those, I think, built like ready to go. Okay, I think I think you can buy them like in that configuration from from Graves. I think that's what he was talking about doing. But anyway, speaking of Kawasaki, Jay, they did their like annual um, corporate meeting. You know, for okay. shareholders and stuff. Yeah, all in Japanese. But you know, if you go on YouTube, you can do closed captioning in any language. Oh, wow. not not okay. every language, but yeah. you know a lot of the languages, and you can actually have the closed captioning translated to English. Okay. So I was reading a lot of it, and one of the things that they announced was that they're working on um, hydrogen engines, and that they have basically like what looks like an H two. You know, their H two, the the supercharged bike. I do. They're working on one of those, uh, and as a matter of fact, it's it's a joint. Don't quote me on this, but it's a joint effort between Cowie, Toyota, Yamaha, Honda, and I think maybe one other company that they're working on these hydrogen engines. Okay. And so in the Dakar rally, which is coming up here in a week or so, they're actually going to have a prototype hydrogen four-wheeler car that's going to race the Dakar. And they're saying that it's not too far down the road where they're going to launch a motorcycle. That's going to be really interesting. Interesting. Um, the hardest part about hydrogen, of course, is the safety of the tanks. Where do you place the tanks? Where are you going to place the weight? Right now, that bike looks like you know huge, but I'm sure that they'll keep working on it. But it's uh, very interesting because that H2 motor that Kawasaki builds, they're actually tackling the aviation market with that motor because it's such a small motor with a high output. Mm-hmm. And at half the fuel efficiency... It, meaning it's 50% fuel for a shaft powered like system that they're going to start getting into aviation. So dude, if you don't know about Kawasaki heavy industries, like in all the stuff that they do, they're incredibly high. Incredible. Yes. And they talked about that. They're going to be launching some new models uh, in the motorcycle segment, you know, coming up 
2024 that are going to bolster their position in the market in 2025. So I'm looking forward to seeing that because the graphic that they had up there was a ZX6, yep. uh, the 400RR, um, you know, and some of the other bikes, but no ZX10 or whatever. So, but that was just a, a picture of like some of the bikes. So I can't wait to see what they have going on. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I listen when <clears throat> Cowie launched the iterate the current iteration of the ZX10, and I rode the thing. For me personally, I was like for fit and for just like the available features. It was one of my favorite street bikes. Period. Yeah. Yeah, I really like it. You know, it's uh I think that when you look at the race side of it, nobody's really been racing them and um how many sets of tires did you blow through in eight days? Oh man. <clears throat> you know, not as many as you think. Um knowing you, what not as many as you think. Six you know, rears, I, I get fronts, a lot of, I get a lot out of them. I run the R seven front, R eight rear. Oh, hard and, compound. Yeah, and so the bikes are so you know, and again, it's kind of relative to the speed that I'm running out there with people and things. Yeah. Um, on Mikey's race bike on Friday, I, I went out on old stuff. I went on like an old R3 that he had raced on and a old something. I don't even know what it was initially just to see what the feel of the bike was. And then I put some new ones on and I got to do some laps with uh, with Corey, which was kind of fun. Um, Corey Alexander. Yeah, Corey Alexander. I so heard he broke the track record. He did. Yep. Yep, he did. He broke it. Like... Um, Going but, that direction. but on a stock thousand type bike, right? Or stock is it thousand. It, when you say lap record, you know, nowadays it's, I think it's the new shootout record. I think in the past they have gone faster, but that's when they allowed super bikes to be in the, in the shootout. Oh, okay. and so, and so now, um, so yeah, so he, he wasn't, he was on a stock thousand. I think he went, well, Andrew went 44 flat in the morning. And then Corey ended up going 43, I think, six in the race. Yeah, 43, so, six or 43, eight. I that's think. pretty damn fast. It's pretty yeah, crazy, that, isn't that it? Is, that's flying. That well, glad you're flying. back at it. How long are you home for now? Home till like the 13th or 14th. You know, oh, the funny good. part is, have you ever been in a position with any of your frequent flyers, uh, Miles, where you've got to get one more segment in before oh, you... Hell yeah. So, of like, I'm, I'm trying to decide if I just, like... I could leave on a flight early to Chicago and and then run to the run to the next gate and fly straight home. That's what I would do. That's what if, I'm looking into. That, do you need the segment or do you need the distance? Uh, both. I, I only need. Oh, I, okay. I don't need a ton of the segments are the most important thing. So I, I need mm-hmm. basically four segments. If you fly far enough, though, it's two segments one way and two segments the oh, other way. Oh yeah, Delta doesn't so do that. So I can't just fly to like San Francisco and back. Yeah, right. So it's got to be like far enough to where I get the, the two segment part uh, down. So I was like looking and seeing how, you know, like I can't just go to Vegas and back and, mm-hmm. or Denver okay. even, I got to go further. So I already looked into it and I called them yesterday. This is what's weird getting off on a tangent. This is definitely off season news, but <laughs> traveling, weird. traveling. Weird. And I'm sure some of our listeners probably have good advice for me, but I called United. I'm like, Hey, I just want to buy the extra. It's like, I gotta go like 793 miles, and the, but the but the PQF things, the qualifying flights, are what I need. Mm-hmm. Like they said it was thirty seven hundred dollars for me to buy it. Yeah, or I can just spend six hundred and fifty and waste a day. Yeah, that's what I would do. See for Come Delta, the, for Delta, you have you have two options for each of the two qualifiers, right? So you can either yep. go miles or segments, and you have to go either credit card spend 
or total money spent on the actual tickets. Got so it. like for me, I have enough miles where I should be diamond on Delta, but I'm like $220,000 short on my credit card <laughs> spend and about 11,000 short on my like the money I spend on actual airline tickets. Got it. So I'm Got like it. I don't even, you know, I don't even care. Like I'm not even close to anything. But yeah, I've been in your position before <laughs> when I lived in Atlanta with Delta. Yeah. Uh not Atlanta. I was I was living somewhere else where I was doing tons of segments. Like every flight, every time I took a flight, I had to go at least four segments. So I was yep. like blowing it out. I needed like two segments or something. So I just jumped on a plane and just jumped on a forty five minute flight around trip or something like that. But well, my mom says, "Why don't you go down to Florida?" I'm like, "Cause then I got to take five thousand cash with me." <laughs> <laughs> Why, Jay? Like, yeah. Why would you? Have, because. Do you, do you ever gamble? There's or? Some great golf courses down there. Oh, golf courses, I see. Anyway, let's get on to motorcycles. Let's do it. Sorry, and, everybody. Uh, sorry, no, sorry. Let's get into our yeah. news presented by Arai. And that song's not going to play, so there you go. Do, 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 do. Just imagine you're hearing it. <laughs> this thing. Anyway. All right. Well, it's Christmas time, everybody, which means we're only a couple months away from riding season. You want to check out AraiAmericas.com. For the latest in technical innovation, fitment, and colors that they offer in their variety of helmets. And I'll give you a little inside scoop. Be expecting a new helmet coming from Arai in the next couple of months. Especially for you street riders and off-road riders. You figure that out. I'll probably get in trouble for saying that. But look for something new coming out from Arai. All right, Jay, let's get into it. Because this is, uh, the you know, the leading story, obviously, is... From the Moto America paddock, that Westby Racing will no longer be racing any longer. The reason for this, JP, you've seen it, is that Trig Westby's health is not great. And um, it hasn't really been for a couple of years. We've been in the paddock. He shows up. We all see it. So I want to read the quote from the press release because what people are doing is basically reading a headline and then they're reacting on the internet. And it's just got me all kinds of fired up. So here's the quote This is one of the toughest decisions I've ever made. I've had to make in my entire life. I've been dealing with a lot of health issues over the last couple of years. It's been getting more and more difficult for me to get to the races. So after a lot of careful thought, I've decided to conclude our long run as an AMA and Moto America race team. I started this team with my son, Dane. And after he passed, we continued to run the team as an answer to what would Dane do? Well, the answer to that is keep racing because we had unfinished business and we started with Dane. But now, due to my health, it's time to close this chapter on Westby Racing. I want to personally thank all the riders, the crew, the staff, the sponsors, and the team members, especially Yamaha Motor Corp USA. We've worked together for a lot of years. We had a lot of success, good times together. I wish everyone well in their next endeavors. And I also want to thank Moto America for allowing us to be part of their excellent road race series. All right, Jay, a couple things. Number one, Westby, Trig, 16 years in the paddock. Big, yeah. long run. Yeah, there's been a lot of people on the internet that are just taking this completely out of context. What are some of the things that you've that you've seen that where you're just shaking your head about? Well, let let me just say this: that first off, we got to thank everybody, all the team, and everybody. We'll, we'll get to that maybe in a bit. But for for Trig to stick around after Dane's passing, I thought was uh, noble of him, and he gave a lot of people jobs in the paddock, and including a, you know good friend Chuck Chiquetto and and of course Matthew and and all the boys over there. You know, they're all all good guys. Um, I knew that you were going to lose your brain the second I started seeing people make comments about 
Moto America needs to help this. Moto America needs to do that. Um, the, you know, they need to help these teams financially. We're losing teams. Actually, we're gaining teams, which is comedy to me. We're actually gaining teams. The fact that we lost one here due to nothing more than than poor Triggs just not feeling well. He's just he's he's got to turn his life in a di- another direction. Um, the things I've been seeing are the same things that you saw when I originally saw the post. Actually, I was at Chuck Walla when I heard about this, and then I saw the post and I. Same thing you, I saw the comments about it's Moto America's fault, which people just need to get with it, man. People are, are lost out there if that's what they're thinking. All right, Jay. So I had some free time. Yep. And Shocker. I had a little bit of free time this time of year. All right. All I've really been doing is playing Call of Duty and shooting my bow. So I went it's what, back. It's what you do every day, even if you. <laughs> Yeah, have time. Well, I have a new bow actually. That's oh, okay. that's oh god. Just go on with your story here. All right. So I went back in time. <laughs> yeah, I went back in yeah. time. Ran just random. Pick some random years. Looked at a superbike results sheet. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with 1998. Okay. Yep. And I want you to tell me after I get done reading this list, tell me how many teams are still around. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Vance and Heinz Ducati. American Honda, Muzzy Kawasaki, Factory Yamaha, Yosh Suzuki, Harley Davidson Factory, Valvoline Mgo Suzuki, Two Brothers Racing, KWS, and Hooters. Of those yeah. teams, who's 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 around right now? Oh well, there's three if you consider Attack Factory Yamaha, which they're actually they're probably not. not. So they're there's not. two. You got M. You got yep. M4. Yep. Uh, Vance and Hines is back, obviously because of. They're not on Ducatis anymore. But, but they're not superbikes, right? <laughs> no, so we're talking exactly about right. the superbike yep. class. And Vance and Hines has been in and out a couple times. Because if you remember, like when I started right. in 90. They were Yamaha. Four, they were Yamaha. They left. They came back with Ducati, so on. Do you know All what right. they were before that? They were Suzuki. Suzuki. Suzuki, so didn't, Suzuki didn't, Yamaha, Thomas Ducati. Stevens? Thomas Stevens win? <clears throat> no, Thomas was on the Yosh when he Yosh, won the he championship. Won Yosh. Sorry, yeah. Yosh. Yeah, sorry about that. Okay. Yep. So yep. that's 1998, right? And that's that's a good list of teams. That's a good list. Yeah. Let's go to 2008. 2008, which is right around the heyday, right? Where everybody talks about this and that. You have Yosh, Factory Yamaha, Factory Kawasaki, American Honda, Jordan Suzuki, Road Racing World Suzuki, and Corona Extra Honda. Uh-huh. How many teams left out of that <laughs> list? All of them but one. All of them but one are gone. Only yep. one team is remained. Yep. All right, so so that is six. That's six teams, right? In two thousand eight. Okay. Yep. Yep. Two thousand fourteen, when it was the worst. Yosh, Graves Yamaha, Pegram Racing, Team Amsoil Hero. If you remember, they were on EBRs. Oh, yeah. EBRs, yeah. And then Geico Honda, which is Team Hammer, which is Valvoline, which is Road Racing World. Okay. So of those five teams, and that was it. By the way, of those five teams, only Team Hammer. Now let's go to 2023. Attack Yamaha, Titler Cycles, Westby, Warhouse HS or Warhorse HSBK, Vision Wheel, which is Team Hammer, Wrenched Motorcycles. They had a great semi, great effort. Shyby Racing and Thrashed, which is you know been been around with uh, Max for whole time. Moto America has been around. Yeah. All right. Eight, Eight teams. I think you just counted out. Eight teams. Yeah. Um. And that's not to mention some of the names that weren't in Superbike that were big teams. The Arian Racings, Annandale Racing, Ridiculous, 
I mean, the, my point to this whole thing is, is everybody calm down, okay? There's been one team that has been around, and, and really, 1998, that was just something I randomly pulled. Valvoline Emgo wasn't full-time in 1998. They didn't actually come full-time to AMA Superbike Racing again until 1999. But what I'm saying is, is that the series lives on, that the, 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 the sky is falling because Trig Westby is having health issues and pulls the plug on a one-rider team. I just don't understand the, the the drama and the ruckus and why people are pointing the finger at Moto America. Has zero to do with money. He's got plenty of money. Has zero to do with sponsor support. And oh, by the way, if you're one of those people that for some reason you go, the health of the sport is determined by how many semis are in there. That's <laughs> If you remember, Jay, <clears throat> yeah. for the first 13 years of Westby Racing, they didn't have a semi. Right. right, that semi right. was only three years old, and oh, by the way, that semi became available because that's uh, Jason. You're intimately in love with that trailer. Yeah, that's that right. was the tax old semi that's right. that's that right. Stamboli yeah. owned. They let it, you know, like I mean, for a price, but for a very cheap price. That's how they got Westby into it, and yep. that that's already been sold and bought by another Moto America team. So that trailer lives on with the crack in the. Or the the the, the yeah, chip in the in the, uh, the desk that you took out in the lounge. Okay, mm, so so if you're judging it that way, then by the way, the team that bought it would not have a semi unless this semi became available. So again, a net loss of zero, right? Yeah. So it it Matthew Skultz will land on his feet, in my opinion. Yeah. Where is he going to go? I don't know. Could he come yep. to the states? Could he race baggers? Could he race super sport? The superbike stuff. Everybody, you know, it's late, but Matthew's going to be fine. Okay. Trig's yep. a man of his word from what I understand, you know, in terms of, you know, his supporting, you know, Matthew, they had a contract, whatever, but that's none of my business, but everything's going to be fine. So the, the focus that it's Moto America's problem, that the series is going to collapse, all this panic stuff, when people aren't focused on the fact that Trig Westby gave us a team for 16 years and his health is fading, man. Yeah, that's it. You know? And that is it too. You know, it's like, that's, that's the reality. We're all getting a little bit older. Uh, Triggs had a tremendous run with us. He's got the respect of the paddock and the people. There's nobody. Uh, there's nobody upset. More people saddened, I think, by the fact that it's his health that's kind of taken him out of the game a little bit. In the sense that Westby won't be there. I'm going to miss that team. You know, looking around, they have been a mainstay since uh, since I've been in, uh, in the paddock for the last however many years. It's been great to see them grow and get bigger and better. They've had championships. Um, I think with with Matthew, they won the Stock Thousand Championship. They've won Superbike races, so they've they've done things at the highest level. So it's just sad that we're losing them, um, but it's for no other reason than all the reasons that you stated earlier, Greg. Just the fact that he's he's his health isn't good. Yeah. And speaking of, of Superbike teams going away, let's talk about Superbike team that's here. SDK back in the paddock, Jay, with Top Pro Racing, BMWs, Alpha. You know, with Arango, what do you think about that whole situation? Um, you know, I think, I think, Greg, um, Greg, you broke up a little bit there. Can you repeat the last part? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was say just, that situation. Yeah. What do you think about that situation? About the fact that we have another, we have a new team coming in with two like complete, like legit super bikes built by yep. Alpha no, it's, SDK it's great. back in our paddock. The whole. I time. love that. I love the SDK is back. I think it's. Uh, you know, whatever wasn't working for him over there in Moto2 is behind him now, and he can come back and um, have a go. It seems like the team's got some really good kit underneath them, and, um, you know, it's another kid that we'll throw into the hat as far as young and, and aggressive. 
I also heard through the grapevine that Jeremy Toy went with him. So I I heard that Jeremy went to uh, to that team with him. Obviously, Jeremy was with Ty Scott this last um, this last year. Very successful uh, teaming up together. But if you remember, Toy was uh, SDK's crew chief when he was at M4 and won his championship. So there's a good relationship built there. I think for, for SDK, that's a great catch for him to be able to bring a guy that he's had in his past that he's had success with, and he'll be able to put that to use with this new team. I agree, 200%. Yeah. You, you, crew chief is so critical. You look at Ben Spees' success when he went to World Superbike, won the championship in one year, then on to MotoGP where he won a race. That's and right. And always had his crew chief with him. I think it's it's really, really important uh, to do that. And I, I think, you know, look, if, if you're a race fan and you think SDK is going to get on a super bike and go out and win races straight away, give him a little bit of time. He comes from oh, yeah. you know, real high corner speeds on 600s, the same thing with his Moto2 bikes. So he's got to learn how to ride a super bike. And it's just different. It's it's a different way it's to ride a be motorcycle. Different. It is going to be different for him. Uh, when you look at it like Cambobie went from super bikes to Moto2 and he was able to come back to something that he he understood and recognized. SDK does not have experience on a superbike. So learning how to ride a superbike to start with is going to just be the biggest thing for him um, is getting used to riding that bike and and so on. So I think for him, he's got to just get up to speed um, as quickly as he can, obviously. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much t- testing that team is doing. I don't know much about the team, honestly. So a, a lot of that will fall into place, too. As we get closer to the season, we'll find out who the main team members are helping him get up to speed. But Again, having Jeremy there is going to be a big, big deal for him. With the support of Alpha Two, that'll be a big, big help for that for that team also. In Moto America, or really World Superbike, whatever the <clears> hot <throat> debate over CCs of displacement, it, it rages on. If yeah. you remember, a few years ago, the Kawasaki ZX6R, which is a 636, has 36 more CCs of displacement in Super Sport over the R6, and blah blah blah, and people were just losing their mind over it. Well. All that got it sorted out, and now Supersport's balanced. Aprilia, who has the RSV4, which is an 1,100cc bike, has been approved for stock 1,000 for the homologation. So, but what we do know is that that bike, at least I know, I don't know if I should, I mean, everybody's going to know eventually, that they will. there will be added weight. So there will be a different weight re- minimum weight requirement for the RSV4 because of the 100ccs of extra displacement. However, Jay, my opinion, great. Aprilia now has a yeah. weapon that they can put into stock thousand. It is not, and I want to just repeat this to everybody, it is not superbike legal. It's only right. stock thousand legal. Your opinion on and and that comes from the FIM, not it's not a Moto America thing. So it's it's approved in Moto America because the FIM homologated it. Right. So what what's your take on allowing the the Aprilia at eleven hundred CCs in stock thousand? Well, I know that they're going to have to probably put some ballast on it or do something. They're going to have they to, will. right? Yeah. That's okay. The so, yep. so they're going to have to. He do was something texting that way. folks while I was talking. That's why I didn't hear that. But go ahead. I wasn't. I I did hear you say <laughs> that, but I'm joking. But but um, but that is the key, right? Is is how much do they add? Did it say Greg how much they add to that? No, because I haven't I haven't seen the amendment in the rules yet. I didn't look at it, but they're, okay. I want so, I, I something tells me like six kg. So what's that? Okay. What is that like, eight pounds? Nine? No, I think it's a little bit more than that. Okay. I think we looked up. Anyways, yeah. So, look, Greg, I rode that bike two years ago. Teague Dam was actually at Chuckwalla, and he let three of us ride it to kind of get our opinion on what we thought of it. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. 
Like it's a weapon, an absolute weapon, that bike. So hold on, let's talk about what are you saying? Are you talking about the engine or are you talking about the yes, chassis, the whole yes, okay. everything. It was good. Um I you know, for for lap time perspective, if you were to look at it, I think I got down to on a bone stock bike, um, I think I did a high forty eight on the thing at wow. Chuckwalla, which the the front end on the bike was incredible. The power delivery was incredible. Like everything about it. There's only been one guy that I know that hasn't liked that bike, and you know him pretty intimately. Mm-hmm. Your brother, yeah, he sold his. Yeah. <laughs> Your brother, yeah, he didn't. Jeff didn't like it, and um, but like I wrote it, Andrew wrote it, Michael Gilbert wrote it that day, and all of us were like, "This thing's," you know, when you ride something back to back. So we had a couple other bikes out there that we were riding. I can't remember if we had a BMW. I think we had a BMW. Um, we obviously had a Cowie, and. The Aprilia stock form was insane. So mm. it didn't get homologated, right? Because of the CC limit in uh it didn't get it didn't get homologated. So now I think um if they add some ballast and they put the right guy on that bike, and I I know some rumors in the paddock of of somebody they were trying to get to put on that bike that's not yeah. gonna happen. And um but if they'd have done that, I think there would have been some some trouble. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting <clears> because Chavi Flores yesterday kind of posted something that basically said he's out of a job, right? So it's a joke, isn't it? Yeah. So who knows? I know that there will be at least one of those RSV4s lining up for stock thousand next season. So, you know, who's going to be on that bike? I think it, at least one. It wouldn't surprise me. And, and you know, you could probably guess of someone who, right, you know, they, they feel the Prillias in Twins Cup already. So, It'll be interesting to see how that bike plays out and how the groaning goes. I wish the Stock Thousand class, though, raced at more tracks, number one. And number two, because it's been a good class. It's almost like we had some real heavy hitters in that class for a while. And last year, Hayden Gillum, Caleb rode well. Obviously, Ezra rode well. Um, But we have, Greg, arguably that class could have the most brands in it, if you think about it. Because you can have Cowie. Have Yamaha. We've seen Honda, uh, BMW, obviously. Now Aprilia. That's five. That's five brands just there, and Suzuki. So you got six brands of bikes that are actually legal for that class, and um, and I think all the bikes have proven to be competitive. We've seen Suzuki's, Cowie's, BMWs all win. We've seen Honda run up front with Jeff May. <clears throat> so and the Aprilia is obviously going to do that. But if you look at the tracks, they go, they go to Barber. Then they go to Brainerd and the Ridge and Laguna, and they finish in Jersey. That's their season. And <clears throat> it's a shame because I would like to see these bikes at Road America. I'd like to see these bikes at Coda, you know, like places where they long can let their ways. long straights. And the, I think last but not least, it would be – I'm saddened by the fact that none of the 1,000 stock guys are getting to go to mid-Ohio, you know. Um, so when you look at their calendar, I'm wondering – it's going to be interesting to see how many guys race Stock Thousand uh, next year. Uh, I was hoping that we'd have Stock Thousand on the menu for Mid Ohio only because I would like to see that grid completely full. Um, I think that's going to be a tremendous race weekend um, when we go back there. So I, I just I, I wish that we could see some of the big bikes um, breathing a little bit more at some of the tracks because really at Barber it's just Barber's okay. Then they go to Brainerd, which is fast, so that'll be good. But then they go to the Ridge, and I think everybody's happy to go to Laguna. But I would have rather seen them finish their season at Coda rather than Jersey. 
Yeah, Jersey's got a long straight too, but I, I know what yeah. you're saying. The, and it's the, repaved. It's going to be repaved. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. the hardest thing is for Moto America is that they found after all these years now they, of, 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 you know, working with the schedule and trying certain things, they kind of understand that basically five classes is the yeah. limit for the weekend. No, yeah, both for sure. from a fan interest standpoint and from a, um, uh, time you know just time yeah. to put bikes on the track right you have your stallworth classes you have super bike you have super sport i and they they have to from a business standpoint they had to look at what's popular what and and what's you know in the order and obviously with the rise of baggers popularity they have yeah. to make room somehow right so so that so we know that if you go look at the schedule every weekend does have five classes and i i think like junior cup doesn't even go to the west coast at all and part of that is the That's strategy right. is because right. they they know the entries in the class and they know where most of the teams are located. There's only Correct. a few teams that have to come from the West Coast, but there's so many of them that are located Midwest and, and East Coast that from that perspective, it makes sense. So it's 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 a difficult situation they're in. They're constantly looking at it, constantly, you know, making changes and everything else. And the fans play a huge role, but also the teams have some sway. So it's a balancing, not, not to sit here and defend them, but just right. to give, no, give people no, no. a little bit more yeah. insight into the decisions that are made. But I no. agree with you. It'd be like, could we possibly see the big bikes on the biggest tracks we have, you know, except Daytona. Nobody wants to get, nobody wants to take a thousand on Daytona except CCS people. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And we got to talk about Daytona in a minute. Cause mm. I know it's not far away. It's like, I mean, it really isn't, but man, mm-hmm. we, we got to go through some things I found out on the weekend and just like run those past you. Just, uh, I, you know, normally Greg and I get on the phone for 30 minutes prior to our podcast today. We didn't, I literally, <laughs> we text each other this morning and I jumped on. So, um, but I think the Aprilia Greg is going to be fun to watch and it'll be interesting to see who puts people on those bikes and how successful they're going to be. Um, American Chris Clark, young kid who, you know, was racing in Moto America last year. He's going to be racing World Supersport 300 next season, and he'll be doing it for former World Superbike racer Jakob Schmerz, if you remember Jakob Schmerz. Wow, yeah. What yep. do you think about Chris Clark? I mean, I think he's going to be one of the few Americans that's ever, or if not the only one, right, that's that's raced World Supersport 300? Yeah, no, that's really cool. And I was teammates to Jakob uh, once or twice, I think, at World Endurance. Um, good guy, really, really good guy, uh, fun guy, and... Um, I think that's pretty cool that he's over there doing that. That's great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to keeping an eye on his results. Maybe it'll turn some eyeballs into World Super Sport 300 on the American yeah. side of things. Now, speaking of World Superbike, Jason, Yeah. oh my goodness. I mean, BMW's Superbike effort has just gone next level. So BMW Motorrad has hired former MotoGP test rider Sylvain Gintoli and Bradley Smith to aid in the development of their factory bikes. And Gintoli will be lining up for some of the FIM World Endurance stuff for BMW as well. So yeah. your thoughts on that acquisition and that news, because that has me really excited about moving this world Superbike program forward. You know, I talked to James Rispoli yesterday, who's really good friends with Bradley Smith too. And Bradley's, you know, uh, along with Sylvain, I-, I was surprised that we didn't see Bradley move over to the world endurance team as well. I thought that that might be a thing that they would do, but you are right. BMW is going full guns, aren't they? I mean, they are going, full speed ahead, trying to get this bike up to speed and get all of their riders competitive. Um, for Gintley, I think it's a great it's a great move, isn't it? I mean, he's gone from Suzuki's MotoGP team and riding multiple wild cards to their world endurance team and winning championships there with another good friend of mine, Greg Black, who's been a mainstay for that team as well. Um, Greg and I, he was when he was young, young, 
he was one of my teammates um, at Maco. So it's good to see him having success. So for Gintley, again, he has found another little spot that he can slide himself into and still go race four times a year at cool places. So, and for Bradley Smith, a guy that we haven't seen race in some time, um, obviously his testing skills are very well known. So BMW to me is uh, really, really putting everything they can into this. I still think, Greg, and I, you know, I don't know if you and I have actually ever t- talked about this on the podcast. I still feel though that even though you get all these different test riders, nobody really rides like Top Rack. You know, like what are they going to actually when they actually help develop this bike, which they are going to do all the, all the guys that they've got, but nobody really rides a bike like top rack. So it's going to be interesting to see how much of that really, um, makes its way to his bike, you know, like again, to Leah Bradley, they're probably going to be a lot more relatable to a Redding and a Gerloff, um, Like I said, Top Rack just does some different stuff. And Top Rack size too, Jay. One of the things that I was, I've been watching some world Superbike videos every now and then. And one of the things I noticed that Top Rack does, you know, he's, he's obviously touted for his late braking, right? But if, but if you, if you watch the way he rides the bike, it kind of reminds me of Marco Simoncelli. Marco Simoncelli, it was like almost six feet tall. He was bigger than everybody. And I remember watching a race with him and Pedroza. And watching him outbreak Pedroza at every corner, and and what I found out during that time, because you know I was working the the races when they came to the states, is that Simoncelli, because of his height, and you're similar and I'm similar, is he could actually adjust his weight under hard braking. He could shift his weight to the back of the bike, off yep. being connected from the tank, and that allows a little bit more of a lever to keep the bike from basically the rear end coming right over the top of his head. Yeah, and I was told by one of the people on Pedroza's crew that he could snatch the brakes hard enough where he would loop the bike right over the back of his head. So he was limited because Pedroza didn't have enough leg to get back to, to, to help that, you know, as the bike dives. Right. Yep. And I think that, that Gintily is probably three inches shorter than top rack, maybe two inches shorter. So from that perspective, at least I know that in talking to, uh, Gintily before about being a test rider in MotoGP because I've known him for quite a while. He's just such a nice guy that he would try to adapt his riding style to the riding style of the riders on the team. Does that make sense? Yep. yep. So there, he might have a specific role in the testing team that says, "Look, this is what Top Rack does." As they got as BMW gathers more data, yeah. So we're going to need you to try to do the same thing, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And what you know, whether Top Rack snatches the lever and then puts all that force in the steering head. I know that Yamaha reinforced the steering head of of their R1 specifically for Top Rack. Yep. Right. Like they had to make right. changes to the chassis that were within the rules because of him. So. Maybe that's the case. You know, maybe Bradley Smith works on the more generic thing and maybe maybe it's the opposite. But I think that that's going to be it'll, it'll definitely be in the, in their minds. OK, because yes. no one rides like Top Rack. But Sylvain, we're going to have to have you do this. So when you come into the corner, I need you to snatch 12 yeah. bar right out of the gate or you know what I mean? 18 yeah. or whatever the hell it is and, and figure it out because we need those forces. And that's part of what their job is. Right. Right. Well, I think and all that's good. But Greg, I mean, think about. The muscle memory and things that Gintilly has in him to be able oh, to yeah. the way the way he rides is the reason why he got hired to go test. Yep, uh, it's very hard to just change that. You know, it's very hard to just sort of change that mentality. But again, this is what's going to push that team forward. This is what's 
really push World Superbike forward. One rider in the sense of a, um, how can I explain it? Toprak, what he has done is made every racer on the grid look at bikes set up differently because of what he does. So he has actually changed the way people have to look at riding. That's why even like, you know, you heard with Johnny going into last year, they did some geometry stuff and um, made things a lot stiffer at the front so he could try to break the same way Top Rack was. Because otherwise, there's no way you're going to get by. Batista, all he had to do is wait for a straight this last year. There was very few times where you saw Batista mm. outbreaking anybody. He was using the strengths of his bike and what it could do as well. He obviously rode it very hard, but it was fast. So <clears throat> he didn't have to deal with what you know Johnny and the rest had to deal with as far as racing Top Rack. So now the test riders have to try to duplicate what they think Top Rack does. And look, they're going to be able to look at his data. They're going to be able to see where he breaks. They're going to be able to see the amount of bar pressure he puts into the brake lever and that kind of thing as far as the amount of bar pressure uh, that, he, that he actually squeezes the lever. So um, <clears throat> I, I, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how they work that all out. And you know what I think? I think Garrett Gerloff gets, the most, uh, yes. gets the most benefit out of Top Rack yes. on the team. And and I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Sorry, but you're a hundred percent right. He, I think that of all four of the guys, he will benefit the most. Mm-hmm. You have to remember, Redding still comes from a GP background. He's still used to Moto Two, Moto GP, roll the roll the bike through the middle of the corner, very stiff chassis. Yeah, he he did okay on the Ducati. This has been a struggle for him though on the BMW. Like he has literally had no results on that bike since he has stepped on it. Gerloff comes from this production kind of backed um that's his background so i think he will learn from top rack i think he will be the one that will benefit the most in the sense that he'll be relatable to what top rack does on a bike even compared to the test riders so um i think for garrett it's it's very on the up i agree well that's pretty much it for the <laughs> the news presented by Arai. but jay let's talk real quick about supercross it starts in two weeks we oh have made God. the decision in Supercross Fantasy that we're going to be doing the Pulp MX Fantasy. So yeah, it's, great. There'll be a link in the description of this podcast. But basically, you go to pulp p u l p m x fantasy dot com. Yeah, sign up. It's free. If you if you have played with us before, it it you're already in our league. Okay, so like I went back and checked everything today, Jay. There's still 300 and something people that are in the league or whatever. So if you've played with us before, but we're going to be doing the same thing. I reached out to Dunlop. I haven't heard if we're going to do any Dunlop stuff for 2024, but we'll let you know for sure. Arai is in. So the winner of the Pulp MX Fantasy of the Greg's Garage pod with Jason Pridmore is the name of it. The winner will get themselves an Arai helmet of their choice. Okay, so I haven't, you know. Like I said, in a couple months, Arai is going to come out with a new helmet. So, you know, right now you can you you'd be able to choose from their motocross line or the XD4, which is their adventure touring line, or you know, one of their street helmets or whatever. So, Arai again, generously in with the podcast, we appreciate it. That, by the way, is all due to you guys. Anybody who downloads this podcast and listens, it's all due to the numbers that we get, and we really appreciate everything that you've done. Uh, you know, by listening to the podcast and all two thousand people at Chuck Walla who listen and talk to Jason about it. <laughs> Appreciate it. But yeah, I cannot so, believe how many people listen to our podcast come up to us. It's funny to me. It's, it's gr- great. It's, though. it's great. And it's, you know, we just sit here. It. Jason's in his house. I'm in my house. We just do this thing. I post it. And then you just don't know, you know, it's, it's really funny too, because what happens is um, like, 
yesterday, I get a text message from Jeff Wheel from Arai, which, yeah. by the way, I think maybe in, in January we have him on as a guest, Jay, because Jeff has, the last couple of years, he spent a tremendous amount of time in the IndyCar paddock and NASCAR paddocks wow. okay. and spent time in our paddocks. You know, he knows road racing. And we were talking, we were having a conversation about what he feels like the impact is going to be on having Ray Hall in Moto America on the car side of things. So if you're interested in having him on to talk about something you're that's kidding? a little yeah. bit different, I think yeah. it'd be pretty cool. So maybe uh, Jeff, maybe mid-January. Yeah, he's a good dude. We talked to him. Um, and anyway, so he sends me this text out of the clear blue, and it just says auto racing. This was like yesterday. Okay. Auto racing. That's it. And that's I'm it. like, what are you talking about? And he's like, that's what Karin Ogura races in Japan. It's the, you remember I was telling you about that motorcycle right. circular yes. thing that does betting? Yes. It's yeah. literally called auto racing. And I texted him back and I said, do you realize I'm not sitting in the car with you right now listening to our podcast? That was two weeks ago and you're randomly just texting me. He goes, no, I know, but you should that's know funny. at all times what I'm listening to that I'm listening to the podcast. Oh, that's cool that he did that. And he goes, that's I'm rad. yelling at the radio and I'm I'm saying it's because if we when we were talking about it, I was like, yeah, I don't really remember what it's called, whatever. So he's yelling at the thing going auto racing. It's auto racing. That's so, funny. But that, that happens. Funny. That happens quite a bit. The point is, I do get random messages from people that'll be like correcting something I'm saying, but from a podcast like three months ago or a podcast last week. And I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. Give me some context. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're just kind of like randomly texting you something or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. No. <clears throat> I wonder if right. we could do it. Yeah. We got to do a deal where maybe uh, we'll figure something out. But if you win the pulp, if you win this year's pulp supercross, mm-hmm. maybe we get tickets to the opening round of Anaheim for that person for the following year. <laughs> yeah. That'd be pretty cool. All right. We'll you know talk I mean? about that. Like that. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's like, I, I got to get up to speed on who went where, what, and all that with Supercross because I hate not knowing. Oh, and, dude, uh, it's changed. Suzuki came out with their release. They're sponsoring a bunch of bunch of people. We know Rock Suzuki. On, wow, on that, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, they sent out. I saw Ferrandis went to like a Honda team, and I got I got to look it all up. I just got to go. Where do you go? Where do, when you go to read about that stuff, I just go to Racer X. Oh, I go to Racer X, dude. Because yeah. why can't I mean that that their staff at Racer X is so knowledgeable. I mean, there's pulp, go there. there's pulp as well. You know, listening to the podcasts and stuff. But there there are a lot of good, a lot of good changes and stuff that are happening. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. Is Triumph racing this Supercross season? I don't know. I know Ducati uh, thing. I've seen a lot know. of promo videos of Ducati. They're not coming Supercross racing or motocross racing yet. They're going to race in Europe this They're year. Overseas. They're doing yeah. the Italian series, I think. Yeah. But like, we haven't seen a clean shot of that. That motocross supercross bike yet on the ducati it's always been like you know kind of silhouetted like ripping through it's the so dirt. cool yeah i think it, it's, it's <clears> really so good cool. but we'll be definitely keeping an eye on that so join us on that uh on that fantasy deal it'll be fun i know it's pulp so you have to get yourself a calendar and write in all the super get get all the stuff done because if you miss a week it's 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 heartbreaking yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to miss a week. So, all right, Daytona stuff. You wanted to talk about Daytona. Well, stuff? I think we could probably save it a little bit, but I am starting to listen and hear of who's racing at Daytona. Oh yeah, great. I'm not kidding. I've got like 20 guys plus that I think are going to be in the lead group before that first pit stop. Like the amount of people and the amount of teams and as big. This could be <clears throat> without, arguably, without question. This will be the biggest Daytona 200 that we have had in, I would probably say, the last 10 to 15 years. Yeah. So, Easily. So I've I've heard the same things that you've heard. 
and I've made some calls. So I confirmed that the grid size, the max grid mm-hmm. size is 80. And that if they get to 80 riders that actually qualify, that they will do what they did in years past, which is that kind of two wave start. The first 40 go. Yeah. Then they'll wait till they are like out of turn one and then let the second 40 go kind of but, thing. But I really do hope that we stay stringent on on the qualifying, qualifying time, time is the same. Yeah, it'll be the same. <clears throat> because last year's race was so nice mm-hmm. not being in back markers on lap After four. Three, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and it makes the racing so much better at the front when you don't have guys going 10, 12 seconds a lap slower than the leaders. Um, you know, I'll probably generate hate from that, but it doesn't matter. It's it's at the end of the day, that's that's what you want. You don't want these gigantic speed discrepancies. Um I know a lot. There's a lot of people out there that look at the Daytona 200, not unlike they looked at the Lamar 24 hour Suzuka, where it's like it's the one race a year that they do. And because they've qualified before, because they can get a license, they go do it, but they're not fit enough to finish 200 miles. And there's a lot of things that get put into there. It's, um, and so I sit there and I go, for us, the Daytona 200 has been a lot of fun last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, Last year's race ended with a lot of weirdness, you know, obviously with Escalante and Heron being close together. And um, it, so I want to see it be able to run to the end uh, the way it was looking like that race was going to go. Um, but I think this next year, wow. And the amount of people I'm hearing on different brands of bikes for our Super Sport Championship, um, you know, Super Sport's going to be absolutely no joke next year. Super Sport in Moto America is going to be stacked. That's what I'm, I'm saying. not sure that every Super Sport points like competitor from Moto America is going to race the 200. I know that there's a few Correct. that are going to have to skip it. I think just because like of late, you know, just it's late. And I mean, <laughs> dude, like you're saying, Daytona is only probably what nine weeks away. Nine weeks away. I mean, it's going to be here before you absolutely know it. And um, but and, dude, the uh, amount yeah. of people coming to race the 200 from Europe is insane and the quality of people coming from europe and the other thing too is i've heard you know the the one thing is it's it's moto america super sport rules yeah except it's not a singular tire and so the tire wars have been elevated i've heard that bridgestone is coming full, full tilt boogie you know pirelli obviously is there dunlop's there like and and these people want to win 200 because the good thing about the daytona 200 from a marketing standpoint if you win that race you can advertise that race the entire year. Oh, you're long. Right. If you win Road America, you kind of you kind of advertise until the next Moto America race comes up at mid Ohio or whatever, you know, like whatever right. the order is. But the two hundred is one of those exclusive races where they'll they'll burn that thing for the entire year. Correct. And so that's that's part of the 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 great vibes that Moto that um Daytona two hundred has. So I'm looking forward to it, dude. It's gonna be a busy weekend. And you know, I think that one of the things you know, to get off on a little bit of a tangent is that the pandemic, I think, taught a lot of people that going out and doing stuff that that they didn't they don't take it as much for granted anymore. And I think yeah. that's still the wave that we're seeing of people coming to the races, going out, you know, doing all kinds of stuff um, and, and just enjoying life because I kind of get it. You know, your TV is yeah. going to be there. It's still going to be there no matter what. Oh, and yeah. They, a lot of people wore their TV out for two years during the pandemic. And that was during the Daytona 200, wasn't it? That's when they called the race that day or crawled at, right after, uh, yeah, after the writer's meeting. They called the race and all those teams were down there. That's right. That's crazy. Yeah, that was a Friday. So they'd run like the first practice, I think, right? And then at one o'clock on that Friday is when the president basically said, like, we're done. We're shut down as a country. 
all military funerals, all military graduations. They shut down the 200 because we had tested that week earlier uh, at, at Barber. Barber. And right. I got a cold. I think you got a cold. We didn't know what it was yeah. at the time. I couldn't go to my stepdad's funeral because of it because it was that weekend. So, yeah, that was. Yeah. No, I remember you catching it. I, I was okay. I just remember being on oh, the you plane. Were good, when, yeah. Ky- Kyle and Hannah plane. had it and they went in and someone like they had posted about having a cold or something and they were going into the speedway and the speedway made them go to the hospital and take a COVID test. And I think it, Hannah knows the story better, obviously, but I think it was like 700 something bucks a piece or something like that, that they had to pay for the wow. COVID test back then. And it so turns crazy. out they didn't, they just had colds, but yeah, wild, it, wild it ripping around back in the day. But anyway, so. Well, I think as we get closer to the 200, we're going to talk more about the writers and the people. I think some of it will come to light. I don't want to spoil it for so many, but I I already know there'll be probably minimum of five, four or five V2s of like with super competitive guys on minimum. Them. Yeah. Uh, minimum. Minimum. I know that Yamaha is going to have quite four a few. sixes in there. More. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, I think when you look at it, um, there'll be more 750s. There'll be more. It's going to be pretty I wild. I think at the Daytona 200, Jason, we should have, I think, every bike that's homologated, like every brand that has a homologated bike, yeah. should be represented. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I know Triumph will be there and Cowie and all. I mean, yeah. MV is the only MB. question I have. If Yeah. If, if someone, I mean, I think Danilo Lewis tried to put one together. Yeah, he was there. He was there last year. Yeah. So it'll be, it's going to be crazy. And, um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And like I said, it's going to be here before we know it. It'll be as soon as that. As soon as those bells ring on January first, it seems like Daytona just just crushes and gets here quickly because we'll have racing to talk about with Supercross and all that. What are we doing? Uh, what are we doing next week? Are we going to do this? Or are we taking a week off? What are we doing? Well, it's Christmas, Christmas is Monday, Monday, right? It's Christmas Monday. Yeah. I don't get back until. When do I get back? Is it Wednesday? A lot of bowl games, no, Greg. Thursday. A lot of bowl games. Oh yeah. All right, we're gonna we're gonna skip it, Jay. Let's just skip it, and then we're we're gonna let's see. Let's take a look at the calendar. So we'll skip it. We'll skip Christmas. Sorry, we've been yeah. skipping so many, but we'll we are gonna be back in the in the groove. We're gonna figure out Jason going to Chuck Walla. How many more of those do you have? At least three of them, where you're like fourteen days back to back kind of thing. Yeah, but but I would have been able to do this last Tuesday, uh, except for I had to work Tuesday. So mm-hmm. um, it just worked out to where I didn't do this last Tuesday. But next month, when I go to Chuck Walla, and my calendar is coming out today or tomorrow too, finally for next year for JP forty three oh, training. But uh, next month when we go, it's the same kind of schedule: Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I'll ride. Tuesday I'll have off, so I could okay. Try to kill a podcast Tuesday and then Wednesday through Sunday again. All right. So basically, we're going to take next week off and then we'll be back like probably January 2nd, January 3rd for the yep. preview of Supercross. We'll talk more about the uh, the Pulp MX stuff. We'll have kind of decided on what we're going to do in terms of some prizes. I mean, we may, we may add some during the course of the year, but um, We'll get all that sorted out. So we should be back in a couple of weeks. So with that, it's December 20th. If you're celebrating Christmas or whatever you're celebrating for the holidays uh, and New Year's, we want to wish you a happy holiday season. Merry Christmas. Uh, you know, not to you, Jay. Screw you. We'll talk. I'm sure. Thank Christmas you. Day. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's my spiel. 
Yeah, well, yeah, everybody, have a great Christmas, uh, great holidays for everybody. Be safe out there, especially over uh, over New Year's and all that. But uh, we'll look forward to seeing you guys in the new year. Thanks for being so loyal to listen to G-Dub, and I will talk to you soon. See ya. <laughs>